O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. On December 29th of 2019, it's the time or the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's, and that's kind of a, in our profession, it's a kind of a throwaway Sunday. I mean, you got to do Sundays, but, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest with you, there are some Sundays we just don't want to do and usually bring in, you know, uh, some schmuck to fill in, you know, uh, that's somebody, yeah, yeah, easy, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but this time I did not find a schmuck, okay? <laughs> Let me clear it up before we, but what usually happens is, uh, you know, we go to church, we do what we got to do, and um, so there's about 11 people here. And, but something happened during that service that most of the rest of the church doesn't know about. Um, it's something that hadn't happened in about 20 years across town. Um, in the middle of our wonderful teacher communicating to us, um, God said something to us. And I had forgotten all about it. Somebody had told me about it. And so I want, to, want you to see, since you probably weren't one of the 11, I want you to see what was said to us in December 29 of 19, of 2019. Let's watch. About me and what God has said about me. And God has said, I am a child of God. I am beloved. I belong to the family of God. And because of that, he has infused me with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to share his good news. Because the truth is, this world is too perilous and our gospel of God is too glorious not to do this. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you find yourself this year, keep your focus on God. Remind yourself of who he is and who he says that we are. In the uh, 20 years that we've been here, I don't think I've ever interrupted a speaker before. <laughs> but let me just tell you why I'm interrupting her. And maybe this is the crowd that we have is that while she was speaking, God prophetically spoke to me, and you would say, well, what is that? Is that it's when God, in an online type of way, speaks to a human mind, is part of our biblical theology, it was in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that everything that Stacy just said to us was not just prescriptive of what you should do to have a better year, that it will be necessary for most people to survive 2020. Um, that God wants you to know that what you just heard was not just a really good outline prescription of how to think better. That there will be events that will come into everybody's life in 2020. This is not to scare you. This is to prepare you from the Lord. And I'm, I came up because God had spoken into my heart while I was listening to Stacy speak. And also for the second reason that sometimes you can think that the second speaker is not as authoritative as the first speaker of a church, uh, but I want to put a stamp of uh, urgency on what she spoke on today, that your thoughts are going to be challenged in 2020. Your endurance is going to be challenged in 2020. 
your life is going to require you to think in such a way that you have five promises of God that you will be able to recall instantly. You will need those five promises of God. Not because your life is going to get miserable, because success can destroy you as quickly as pain can. So let me encourage you, everything that you heard today, I have never done this in 20 years, that the notes will be online, that you can get on your app, that everything she spoke to us today is not only prescriptive, but it is descriptive of what is going to take place in the future of our lives and that we need to do this. This is, and so next week, I'm going to take what she just taught me and taught every one of us, and we're going to build and expand on it a little bit more. So, I didn't know anything specific. I, didn't, I knew that it wasn't the election that was going to be the issue. I just knew that something was going to happen in 2020 that was going to challenge us. And so why would God let... 11 people, or why would God communicate to us something about what was going to happen in the future? And why would he make something like that known to us? Was he trying to scare us? I don't think so. Was he, was he trying to warn us about bad things that are going to happen in the future? No, we were told in advance to prepare for a learning moment. That's how I interpret it. Whenever I hear God communicating something about the future, if it's going to be difficult, it, it means that I'm, I'm supposed to change my orientation of thinking that this is a learning time and that God's trying to engage me as a learner. So when we look at a moment like we're going through in, in our history in this year, and we ask the question, why is God allowing terrible things to happen around us? You know, I've come to learn that when it comes to becoming engaged learners in the kingdom of God, so that we actually will learn and become what he wants us to be, that God will allow just about anything to intersect our lives to bring about the process of us becoming engaged learners. That's why the scripture says, where, where Paul says that I will cause all things to work together for good to those who are called according to my purposes. In other words, for those who are my engaged learners, I will bring sense and goodness and growth and development out of all kinds of events that happen in your life. Well, you may be here and say, well, I'm not an engaged learner. Um, I'm not somebody that's really walking in the purposes of God. Well, then life experiences for you are just bad luck, bad karma. Maybe that's when we talk about how life sucks, is that sometimes life just gets incredibly difficult and it just becomes bad luck or it becomes collisions or events that happen in your life. And for everyone who's not a learner with God, for everyone that is in this naturalistic world around them and being a part of the, 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 the people, the herd that's on this earth, a lot of life experiences are just painful. But for the learner-lover leader, the disciple in Christ, it, hard, hard experiences begin to designate intense learning moments. So, would I say then that hard times are dramatically transformed based upon my position with God? And I would answer, absolutely. That otherwise, tsunamis are just tsunamis, divorces are just divorces, 
Bad accidents are just bad accidents, and cancer is just cancer, and, and uh, killing viruses are just killing viruses, and they happen all the time. It's just life of collision that happens here on planet Earth. And unless we're a part of what God is doing, the learning, loving, and leading in this kingdom of God, then we're just a part of some really bad, bad experiences and having a really bad life in 2020. See, the difference is coming to that place of being an engaged learner. And as we've learned here at Crosstown, that there are some times when God leads us into a perpendicular learning moment. See, a parallel learning moment, as I kind of see it, is parallel learning is when you have an idea about what life should be, God has an idea of what life should be, and they're kind of going together. So it's kind of like when these two individuals are walking together in agreement. And that's in a parallel learning environment. Usually it's learning that we do get that we can still go where we're going, and we're learning while we're going there. It doesn't alter our course. It doesn't interrupt our, our path, but rather it's the, it's the kind of thing that there's really not that much conflict. It's walking with God, and a lot of our learning is this. But then there is perpendicular learning. On the other hand, it is when we learn something that conflicts with what we know, and it alters our destination. Okay, this is the kind of learning that interrupts our lives, that is a learning moment that intersects us and causes a collision, causes a stop, causes a, a challenge to the way that we think. This is the kind of learning that stings a little bit. It's the kind of learning that impacts our life and our schedule. And there are times when learning from God has to be perpendicular. See, the more stubborn we are and the more entrenched we are in the way that we live our lives, the more painful this perpendicular moment is. And if you go through the Bible, you will see all kinds of people. When Paul for, falls off his horse on the road to Damascus, Jesus just knocks him off his horse. I mean, he, Jesus must have had a laugh with that or something, but he just swats him right off the top of his horse and he lands on the ground. And, and what is that? That's the beginning of a perpendicular learning moment. Moses at the burning bush. You can begin to go through all the lives of the men and women of God, and you'll find that most of them ran parallel with God, but then something defining occurred when, the, when life went perpendicular. That's when learning got personal, when learning goes deep, when it interrupts our life. And for a lot of us, we are in this place right now of perpendicular learning. And when I look back and I think about the most significant changes of my life, I see a collision at every one of those intersections. Every significant change in my life required a perpendicular learning experience. There are times when Jesus just says, hey, listen, I can't walk with you anymore the way that you're walking. And it's like, I, I want to have fellowship with you, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, I'm going to have to bring this moment perpendicular. I'm going to have to crash your car. I'm going to have to bring a perpendicular moment into your life. And when I look back at my life, that when the deep-seated psychological and spiritual changes occurred in my life, it was because it was a perpendicular moment. I, I, can, I can tell you what were some of the most significant moments in your life. Um, my first, my, my first, but my divorce. 
Okay, I remember that. It was like 35, 36, 37 years ago. But I remember that that was a significant moment when all of a sudden, you know, I'm a single parent and, and now life has changed dramatically. And, and that was a perpendicular moment. See, I thought I was the kind of guy that nobody would dare cheat on, that I was perfect in every possible way. I couldn't possibly be rejected by a woman. Not all that training I got from John Travolta and Clint Eastwood. You would have thought, for sure, there's no way my marriage is going to fall apart. And there, in the middle of that moment, it all fell apart. But I remember talking to God and just like, okay, I don't want to be a part of that statistic that the 80% of second marriages fail. I don't want to be stuck in this. I need to be something different. And I remember in that moment that God began to do a change in me. I knew I was in a perpendicular moment with God. And here I am 35 years later in this incredible marriage, in this re incredibly restored relationship with, with, um, with my daughter from my first marriage and, and just a wonderful life. But it was because it was a perpendicular moment. The first flood was a perpendicular moment for me. Remember 2015 when we had three feet of water in here? And that was a really perpendicular moment. I was angry at God. I was like, come on. I'm, you know, at that time I was like, I don't know, 57 or something like that. And it was like, come on, I should be famous by now. I should have a really cool office and, and drive a really cool car and, and all that stuff. And it was like, you know, and I remember I was really angry at God that he would let me go through this situation. Perpendicular moment. Now we've had two more floods. But then just a year ago when I hurt my back working underneath my car and it took all my sports away from me, I remember, okay, you know, it's like, okay, I'm in a learning moment. I don't like it. I don't like being here, but I'm in a learning moment. And every time I've been in a perpendicular moment, something dramatically, I am in the best place with my relationship with God that I've ever been in my life. But I've never had to wrestle with more physical pain than I, than I do now. But it's like, see, it's just a bad back if, if I'm not learning. It's just a ruptured disc if I'm not learning. It's just pain if I'm not learning. But it's something so much more if I recognize the moment that I'm in with God. And right now, I believe that God has got America in a perpendicular moment. And why? Is he, is he trying to change the politics? No, I don't think so. Uh, is he trying to change our economy? I don't think so. I think God is trying to teach his church, his children something. See, I don't think we're right now in a place where um, God is judging America. I know it feels like judgment, doesn't it? I mean, it kind of feels like certain things are falling apart. The hand of God is against. But I'm going to have to I'm say, I, I'm going to have a problem with that interpretation. And the reason why I say that we're not in judgment yet from God is because when I look in the Old Testament and I look at how God puts up with people and things, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, he let them do what they were doing for like 400 years before, you know, you know, he popped the toaster on them. And then, you know, you look at the Amalekites and uh, all the other people in Jericho and those places, 400 years, the Egyptians, 400 years. Why? Because God is incredibly long-suffering. God is incredibly wanting people to learn. He wishes that no one would perish. And so he just constantly extends his hand out to people and wants them to learn, wants them to learn. And I believe that that same we're in a moment now where God wants to wean us. 
I don't think we're in a judgment moment. I think we're in a weaning moment. I think it would be almost wrong of God to judge us if he doesn't first try to wean us. And that's kind of where I think we are as an American church, as Americans, as maybe as Crosstown, is that we're in a place where God's like, okay, it's time to grow you guys up. It's time to wean you off of this. I want to wean you to want something more. Like in the verse, it said, your loving kindness is better than life. Let me ask you a question. Is it? I mean, come on, it sounds good. Makes for great songs. Makes for great poetry. The Lord's loving kindness is better than life. Is it? Because I don't know if it is. You know, I don't really know if it is. And God knows that we don't know if it is. Because we need to be weaned off of everything else that our hearts are set on. Here's what weaning means. It means the removing of a source of fulfillment and satisfaction that, no longer, that is no longer sufficient to meet the real need and to replace it with a better one. You see, that's, that's what's going on is that God is weaning us off of our American way of life, our American church way of doing church, you know? And, and, he, and he's like, listen, that was good enough for then. When you were one years old, you were good, and that was a really good food to give you. But now as we're moving forward and as your life is going to need more in it, I need to sour the milk a little bit so that you can choose to go into this place of learning more and growing in meat in relationship with me. And I really feel that's what's going on. I'm being weaned off of stuff, you know? I'm being weaned off of certain pleasures that, you know, whenever I wanted, I could do that, or I could watch that, or be a part. It's like, you know, I just lost the excitement of stuff around my life. And God's weaning us. And this is part of being a an engaged learner. And that's what God is doing. I'm not saying there isn't a future day for us where God calls America into reckoning for what it knows. But at this particular moment, God is not going to judge us for what we don't know. But he's not going to leave us not knowing any longer. He wants to grow us all up. And he's willing and has allowed 2020 and even told us in advance that 2020 was going to be a year that the way that we think, the things that we rely on, were going to be challenged so that we could grow into something different. Listen to this story in John 4. So Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan, for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. Now, I just want you to, I want you to just take that 
as the starting point of this story because it's learning language. If you knew something, if you really knew this, it would change how you are reacting in this particular moment. I mean, if you really believed this, if, and he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked, says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So I just want you to hold on to that, that Jesus is, Jesus is concerned that she doesn't know something. And right now, she does, she's not even noticing anything else other than the fundamental need of getting water out of a well. And Jesus is like, wow, you don't even see what's in front of you. So he begins to wean her off of things so that she can see this. You know what that's called? That's called love. I mean, come on, don't we all, don't we all, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it and you can just write it off as, as chauvinism or whatever. But don't, whenever you see a, a, a mother still nursing a four-year-old child, don't you kind of feel like something's kind of a little off there, maybe? Is, is four too long? Can I, can I say that four is acceptable? Okay, yeah, wouldn't you say four is a little bit much? And, and that it's not just that she's not feeding the child well, but she's not preparing that child for, for you know, school and for all the other environments. And so it's out of love that winning occurs. And, and so that's what takes place here. We see him saying, if you knew the gift of God, but you don't. And I think God is challenging America. And he's challenging us as an American church. When we're so weak, we got our smoke machines and we got our lights and those are all okay. We're going to find out that's okay. We got really good guitarists here and, and, and you can have bouncy castles and, and we can have food trucks and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but do you know the gift of God? See, I think America has lost the gift of God in the middle of church. I think that's what God's saying 2020 is all about. For all those people who don't know me and don't care about me, well, it's, it's just a bad virus. But for my people, this is a learning moment. This is a time where I want to grow them up. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with in the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? You see, she only knows that there's a certain amount of ways to get fulfilled in life. And Jesus is going to begin to ping these wells. And he's going to actually draw her out of the well. See, she has fallen into the well. As well as so many of us have fallen into these sources, these, these bottles, these, this milk source, these places that we go, these habits that we have, these things that we do that give us a quick satisfaction for the day. And so he's going to begin to draw her out of it. You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. It's like, whoa, Jesus, you got really personal 
really fast. Well, let me, let me read you a quote that, uh, let, me, let me switch real quick. I'm going to jump off of my notes here. Is that dynamic learning moments have to get personal. Okay, if you want to change dynamically at your core, if you really want something to happen in your life, dynamic learning moments have to get personal. They have to hurt you or they have to inflame you, or they have to impassion you, or they have to embarrass you, or they have to prove you wrong or prove you right, but they have to get personal. We can't just gather information objectively and, and try to apply it to our lives. There are times when, when Paul has to get knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus, and it becomes personal. This Paul, there are times when I have to get knocked off of my horse and it has to get personal with me. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have is not your husband. This you have said truly. See... We can turn anything into a well, can't we? I mean, she's turned this relationship with husbands into a, a well. Um, she's had five husbands, so what does that tell me? I'm just going to break this down a little bit, at least trying to use a little bit of uh, linguistic uh, forensics on this, is that she's had five husbands. I'm guessing she's hot, okay? I'm just, I'm not objectifying here. Uh, you're not hot. You don't get five husbands and then have a guy to live with if you ain't good looking, okay? You say, well, wait a minute, she could have been wealthy. Why do we know she's not wealthy? She's getting her own water, isn't she? Yeah, okay? So what this woman has done is that she's used a fundamental resource as a way of protecting herself, providing for herself, her wells are not only the one of Jacob, but her well is also her husband's. There's something about the concept of being married that she sees as a reliable well system, something that will give me the milk for life that I need. And likewise, is something about this woman that these men have also seen her as a well that will bring them satisfaction in their lives. But Jesus needs to her to find out what her well is. That's why he knew the answer. Go get your husband. He's like, no, she didn't know the answer. She didn't know she had wells. And that's what God's challenging us as Americans, as, as a church in America, as Crosstown, is that God's, God's saying, hey, you're, you're trying to make life normal with these wells that are around you. And what I'm doing is I'm drying up your wells. You know, you're going home and, getting some, some Chinese food and heading home and watching, binging Netflix, you know, five nights in a week to make yourself feel good, going home, giving a little rosé or a little red wine and, and, you know, enjoying that because it makes you feel good and you're going to go to the gym because it makes you feel good and you're going to start dating a new guy because that makes you feel good and you're going to get a new car. Do you know what the number one thing that was sold in the United States in the last six months is? Boats. Boats. You can't find a boat. I mean, boat people are just, this has been great. Why? It's because people can do their vacations, so we got to do something fun. Let's, let's buy a boat. 
So if you want to buy a used boat, wait till 2021 because there'll be all kinds of used boats because people will find out that those wells don't satisfy either. In America, we have forgotten what the gift of God is. He's like, if you only knew the gift of God, you would be asking me for things. But why aren't we doing that? It's because we've forgotten the gift of God. We have lost our first love with God. Jesus said, woman, believe me, an hour is coming that when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. I have no doubt that God looked at 2020 and he said, the American church has lost its knowledge of God. You worship what you don't know. Why are we seeing pastors compromise across the country and the world? Why are we seeing worship leaders bail out on, on their professions and decide that they no longer believe in the existence of God like crazy? Every, we're seeing it happen all across the world, all across America. We see leadership crumbling in churches. Why? It's because we have forgotten what we, what we don't know. If we knew the gift of God, we would have asked him and he would have given us something. But what we want in America is America to get back to normal. And I'm here to tell you, God loves you so much, he can't let that happen. Because if he lets you go back to Jacob's well, an ancient relic well to satisfy yourself, you will never grow. And God has spoiled the milk in America. It will make unbelievers more unbelieving, but it will also require believers to be more believing. We, are, we will no longer be in a time where we can be um, lukewarm. It will require us to make a decision in our lives. I love how it, it says at the end of the story. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me everything that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? So here we are, she shows up with a water pot and valuing a hole in the ground that some ancient gave her. At the end of this perpendicular, getting personal moment, she leaves her bucket behind and goes into the city and declares Jesus as the Messiah. Wow. I mean, that's, God loves you so much that he's willing to sour the milk in your life for you to move from just a, a well dipper to eternal life springing up in you, individual. God loves you that much. Jesus uses the circumstances to engage her into a perpendicular moment. He interrupts her, he challenges her way of life he knows she wants more out of life, and he knows that you want more out of life. You're here. I hope you're, you're not here because you thought I was going to, I'll just say it. What the heck? I mean, shoot. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not here to have a Joel Olstein moment, right? Okay, I mean, 
Listen to him if you want to listen to him, and he's probably phenomenal, and he's probably going to heaven. Okay, but the moment pastors don't understand a learning moment when it's staring them right in the face, this is, you don't need me to tell you, be warm, be well-fed, be happy, be the best version of you, be true to your own truth. <laughs> you don't need that. You need something that intersects your life, something that will make you realize, I can't live on this any longer. I need something substantial in my life. I need a real hope, a real faith. I don't need my pop's faith. I don't need Bible Belt theology. I need something that's real and substantial that will fill my belly, that will encourage my spirit and give me strength in the midst of adversity. And God loves us all enough to bring us to that place. Like the woman at the ancient well, I think a lot of us unwittingly and sometimes unconsciously have relic sources of satisfaction, our go-tos. Um, old, outdated sources of well. Things that we just go to. Um, maybe it's religion. Maybe it's negative experiences that we go to. Maybe unhealthy relationships. Um, you know, uh, Maybe it's something that our dad said. Maybe it's something that makes us feel good for a moment, that gives us a buzz, that gives us a high. And we go to these wells, and, and for a while it quenches our thirst, but we find ourselves having to come back over and over again. And I think this is a time when God wants to expose your relic well, your relic source that you have in your life, the thing that you constantly go to. Do you go to the mirror I mean, do you go to the mirror and look in the mirror and expect the mirror to say something to you, you know, that you're more beautiful than all in the land and that fills up your soul? I don't know, but my mirror hasn't been saying squat to me other than, dude, you're freaking old. I mean, you got spots growing all over your body. I mean, the mirror is not, the mirror is not, that well is dried up for me. Sports. Now, that well, that one's dried up for me. Wealth, popularity, look it. I'm not very popular. That's dried up for me. Success. You know, all that stuff gets challenged in our lives. And God loves us so much. But we constantly will go back to these wells. Some of you ladies date the biggest doofuses in the world. It's the biggest mistake that's ever made in the, the history of mankind is amazing, intelligent, beautiful women dating schmucks. Okay, why? It's because, ladies, you'll just go to a well. Any guy that treats you okay, that's okay for you. And you will settle for that well. You know, guys, we just, we'll just settle for a job or a career or a calling that just pays the bills. Or I'll do it just enough to get dental and, and health insurance. And we'll, and we'll just settle for a, a well around us that, that doesn't provide for our needs moving forward. The problem isn't the well. The problem is that the well satisfies her just enough to keep her from knowing the gift of God. She loves milk, but she needs meat. She likes the well. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the well, the house, the husband, the wife, the job, the jet ski, whatever it is that we enjoy in our lives. I'm not saying that at all. But, but when, when the well satisfies you enough to keep you from wanting more from God, 
then we have a problem with the well. Jesus breaks through with her. Jesus wants her to put her hope in something greater than Jacob and husbands. He wants her to be weaned. So now we return to 2020. The worst year of our lives. Is it? Is it? Well, I'll tell you it is. If you're not learning if you're not looking to see what God is trying to do in your life in 2020, then yes, this is probably the worst year of your life. But if you're learning, well, then something else is going on. So just think about how you're reacting in 2020. Have you uh, been angry? Have you been afraid? Have you cried? Have you been resentful? Have you been bitter? Have you been depressed in 2020? You know what's interesting? Is that there's a lot of things that can cause these emotional responses. You know, chemicals, physiology, psychology, all, sociology, all these things can happen to us. Even the demonic can affect us in some way with this. But do you know anger, fear, crying, resentful, bitter, and depressed are all emotions that a child experiences when it is being weaned? I mean, maybe some of that anger, some of that frustration, some of that is, is, is not so much the devil in us. It's the child in us. The unweaned child. You know, Ireland, my granddaughter, just turned one, and she's now got two little teeth sticking up, and she got two teeth coming down. Yeah, so um, she's got little teeth in there. And so she went from this incredible, you know, breastfed, bottle-fed, awesome child. You know, when they burp, it's just like their breath is amazing, and their heads are, you know, just smell great and all this stuff. And she was so cheerful and had all the, you hold her up and all that stuff. And um, But then she went into this period of time when, Dan and Brian started taking her off of the bottle. And then all of a sudden, it was like, like the exorcist. Her head started rotating around. She started spewing green stuff. And it was like the devil was in her. You know, you'd put something on the table of her, or her uh, eat, eating thing there, whatever they call that, and it, yeah, high chair. It's been a while for me, the high chair. And you put something there, she'll blamp. Put something else there, whamp. You put something else there, whamp. But you know, she sees that bottle or she sees that milk or something like that. She'll want that milk and she'll just get, it's funny. It's amazing that, you know, precious, beautiful little child in one year is throwing tantrums and, you know, talking voice like this when you, you know, when you look into her crib and it's like, you know. And we're like, oh, that's the devil or that's evil. It's like, no, that's weaning. And maybe right now, some of that anger you're feeling, some of that, you know, being afraid and all that stuff is, is like, you know, it's God weaning you. Why? Because he loves you. Because leaving Ireland with a bottle for the next four years would be a crime against her growth. Leaving you plugged into this American system, this American church system that we've got going on, of which I'm very much a part of, would be a crime if he didn't grow us up into something that looks a lot like Jesus. We are his disciples.
called to be transformed into likeness of his dear son. So I started off today by reading Psalm 63, 1, and it sounded nice, didn't it? When you heard me reading it, you probably sat in. It's like, oh, that's, that's really cool. I like that. But did it sound true? I mean, I know it was biblically factual, but it's, did it sound personally true to you? Let me read you again, because it will tell you whether or not you need to be weaned. Oh, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry, in a weary land where there is no water. Does it? Is that, does it? Is that, is that what your soul is thirsting for? Does it thirst for God in a dry and weary land? Because we're in a dry and weary land right now. Okay, what would make you happy right now? What would make it all go away? Mass go away? Then you'd be back to normal? You know, uh, no distancing required? Would that, would that do it for you? Financial restoration, would that do it for you? See, David went into a hard place and a hard place of learning, and he came out of it. He's like, listen, you know what? Uh, my soul now won't be satisfied with anything else other than God. Because God is greater than the well of Jacob. God is greater than five husbands. The problem is, is most of us haven't learned that yet. And so God has to dry up the well. Listen to what he said. Oh God, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your love and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. Is it? I mean, is that really true? It's what God wants to be true. Is his loving kindness better than life? Is it better than husbands, careers, houses, health, Sports, shopping, success. If you knew the gift of God, you would have asked him for water. So over the last six months, have you been asking God for water? Has Christ become your well? Or are you expecting Joe Biden to freshen your well for you? Is, is that what you, do you want to go back to normal? Because that's not the direction God's going with you. There's nothing wrong with wells and husbands and all the other wonderful things of life. But we no longer know and seek God first. That's the problem. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are we? Are we? So just, I want you to rethink about your experience in 2020. If it just, if 2020 just sucks, then you're probably needing to get weaned. You probably need to become a learner. Because from where I stand, in all the difficulty of this year, I could not be any closer to God than I've been at this particular moment. 
my back hurts more, my body hurts more, I'm not making any more money than I was, I've lost money since, since all this started, the church has gotten smaller, uh, my biceps look like nothing, my hair's starting to fall out. You say, wow, man, this is depressing. It's like, no, it's not. Because though outwardly I decay day by day, inwardly I'm being renewed. Why? Because I want to learn of God. I want one day for it to be true that I can look in God and say, your loving kindness is better than life. Today, what I'm saying, God, I have heard that your loving kindness is better than life. Can you help me discover that? Can you help make 2020 not a year of loss only, but a year of the greatest gain of my life? Father, as we enter into this moment, we have been shoved into this moment. You have not allowed any of us to hide. There's none of us that are immune to the pain, the difficulty, the worry, the hurt, the uncertainty that we've all experienced in 2020. But you told us that this would be a learning moment for us. God, today, we put down our water bucket, our self-reliance, our confidence in our intellect, our beauty, our wealth, our country, our routine, our health. Today, we want to discover that your loving kindness is better than life. And you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will be filled and satisfied. You want us filled and satisfied. Today, as we come to communion, this moment of prayer, we come to the right well, which is Christ. We thank you, Father.